Is that not a wonderful song? Do you hunger, beloved, for the day that Christ will stand in all of His glory? Can you imagine that? To be able to be as Job, who Job who was suffering and said, there in chapter 19, to behold, my, he says, my Redeemer lives, and when my flesh has been destroyed upon this earth, I shall behold Him with my eyes and my eyes alone. And then he says, and my heart faints within me. Do you hunger for the day that you will behold the glory of Christ with your own eyes? If you don't, what's the old saying? Something ain't right. Something ain't right. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as we are continuing in our study uh, through this wonderful book, uh, we are preaching through this, and I've called it, I've entitled it, uh, the series, Dear Church. Uh, it is a letter that Paul has written to the church in need of revitalization. And if there is ever a need in our country today, beloved, for, for revitalization, it is, uh, it is the church today. We are in need of churches to be revitalized and to be healthy, for us to, to see the, the sin that plagues our church, to deal with those sins, to see the, the problems within our church, to deal with those problems that God may be glorified here on earth, that we may be uh, good stewards of the church that God has given us so that we would make much of his name here on earth. And so Paul uh, comes into this text, even though he has spent the last uh, 10 chapters dealing with some hard stuff, doing some rebuking and some correcting. We saw this last week there, beginning of verse 2, that he comes into this text praising the church uh, for their success in being a church. They, they are a church that meets together for worship. But as we saw last week, that though they were meeting for worship, and this is the context of worship, though they were meeting for worship, there were some problems, there were some issues in how they were worshiping. And so one of those things was they had reversed the, the order of men and women and the responsibilities of men and women, where men were no longer leading the church. They were not leading their homes either. And the women were beginning to lead the church and their homes. And Paul says that you have reversed the order which God has set up. And so that men were to be the ones leading the church through the preaching of the word, through pastoring, and, and those types of things. And so he's dealing with that. And so we come here to this, uh, to this text, and we'll finish out this portion this morning. And so what I want us to look at this morning is, is God's divine order uh, continued, part two here, where Paul is going to give us the practice of, or the, um, the evidence for practicing authority and submission. Authority and submission. So we saw this within the Trinity last week. And so if you remember that word that I gave you, that we as a church, we embrace complementarianism complementary where women and men are equal but yet they're different they are equal in value they are equal in worth but they do have different roles they have different jobs they have different ways in which god has called them to serve and so complementarianism is a belief that is really being attacked today within our own denomination because this is something that we have held to for many many years and so it's beginning to unravel some and so I think this is very providential that God brings us back to this, to this text and then begin to teach you and I the reasons why we as a church must embrace complementarianism. And so you'll see evidence this morning 
of this divine order and reasons for this complementarianism. Notice several things here that I want to give you. We're going to look at five things. Creation's design, watching angels, mutual dependency, nature's clues, and the apostolic practice. All right, so five things that Paul is going to give us. So let's begin this morning. Chapter 11, beginning in verse 7. He says, For a man ought not to have his head covered, since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man has not created, uh, was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. So therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does, it not, does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if one is inclined to be contentious, to, to cause problems, he says, we have no other practice, nor have the churches of God. And may God bless the reading of his word. So as we dive here in this morning, notice first this creation's, uh, the design of creation or creation's design. That the first thing that we see here, and you have to remember, I want to just very quickly just recap this and just kind of put this in context again. This is far less about head coverings. There's, this is a symbol. Head coverings were a symbol pointing to, a, to the principle of divine order. And so sometimes we get caught up in that. But Paul is going to show us what he means here. So first we see creation's design. And so this is the first reason that he gives what Paul means here is is that the order that we're talking about the issue of authority and submission the issue of male headship within the home and within the church comes from the beginning it goes all the way back to the issue of creation to the time where Adam and Eve were created and so efforts have been made in our day and over the past several years, if not um, probably not in the past several decades, um, many have been trying to make an argument that what Paul is, say, that, that Paul is um, trying to say is, is that it really doesn't go back to creation, but it really goes back into the fall. There are a lot of people who want to make this issue of male headship an issue that comes out of the fall, but, but that's not the case. That, that would mean that the issue of authority and submission here that God has given for man and woman within the home and church is a byproduct of sin. And that's what we see within this feminist movement that, that they tried to say that, that the Bible is saying. But Paul is very clear here. This does not originate from the fall, but he goes all the way back and says it originated with Adam and Eve in the very beginning of creation. That this was God's design for man and woman before sin ever entered the world. And again, this is not, this is less about head coverings. And this is more about the, the principle of authority and submission. The head covering was a symbol representing whether the person was in the role of authority or submission. Again, the, the Christianity had risen in, uh, to a great, or, or was rising in the preaching of the word, was showing that women were created in the image of God, and that they were not to be sitting in the back of the service, but they were to participate in the service, that they, had, that they were just as equal as men and could do things just as men. But here Paul says that, that still there needs to be this understanding, though, that the man is to lead the church in the house. So this is the, the church in the, in the home. So the point here is, is that men are to be authoritative in leading the church. Men wearing head coverings would clearly show that they are not leading their homes, they are not leading the church. And a church needs a clear sign of the following of God's uh, divine order. 
And this is one of the things I think that we're kind of struggling with. We, we want to kind of blur the lines a little bit. So, so why? Why does there need to be a clear understanding of this? Paul says because of creation. God created Adam, the man, first, and then he created Eve, the woman. And so notice there that he says the, that word glory. Notice he says glory, because he says with man in verse 7, since man is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. Notice that, that the image is, man and woman are both created in the image. That's not the emphasis here. They are both created in God's image, and they reflect God, you know, his, they reflect the nature of God in themselves. But the word here that is very key to us is the issue of glory. Paul is talking about the role which Adam played and the role that Eve played when they were created. The point is, is that when God made Adam, he would bring glory to God by subduing all of creation. That he would lead, that he would be the federal head over all of the world. That he would be the federal head over, the, over creation itself. This was a role of authority. He was the one who was to name the animals. He was the one who was to work the garden. But then Paul says the woman is the glory of man. And then in verse 9, he says that man was not created for the woman's sake, but the woman was created for man's sake. And so God created Eve to be Adam's, uh, God created Eve to be Adam or the man's helpmate. And where the role of man is to bring glory to God in subduing creation, to leading, the woman was to bring glory to God through by glorifying man and being his helpmate. So we see evidence here of complementarianism. There is, there is this issue of complementing one another. That, that we see that, that, that Eve was created to be the helpmate. She helps Adam in the role which God has given him. That God may be glorified. Beloved, this is no different than the Trinity that we looked at last week. That within the Trinity that they are all equal. Father, Son, and Spirit. All three of them are equal. Yet within the Trinity the Spirit points to Jesus. Jesus points to the Father. Jesus submitted to the Father that he may go and die for the sins of the world. The Holy Spirit submits to the Father and to the Son that he is out now calling us to salvation. And so here, by fulfilling the roles that God has given us, the man and the woman, God is glorified. This was from the beginning. This is the design of creation. But beloved, here's the problem with this. The problem is, it's not God's design. This came before the fall. The problem with this is that Adam sinned against God, the federal head, and so therefore all of creation is now broken. Again, we even see this. Who does God blame for the sin entering into the world? Not Eve. Even though she sinned first. Even though she led man into sin. Notice the role reversal there. Adam was to blame. He is the federal head. And so we don't like the divine order. We don't like the issue of authority and submission today because we live in a broken world. Eve listened to Satan, not to God. Adam listened to Eve. So, so there you see here the reversal that took place in the garden where man is to listen to God and there follow God and then lead woman to follow man who follows God. Instead, you had Eve listening to Satan and man listening to her. Love, the, this is the world we live in. But by God's grace and by His mercy, He sent Christ who comes and dies for our sins. Amen. Then the world that you and I live in where authority and submission is something that none of us like, none of us like to submit, none of us, none of us, everybody wants to be the one at the top. 
Everyone wants to be the head, and yet we understand that at the end of the day, not, not even man himself is at the top, but it is God who is at the top, and we are to be listening to him. And so we see here that the world is broken, so God sends Jesus Christ to fix it. Christ comes and does the will of the Father. He lays his life down on the line. He goes to the cross. He dies. He raises from the grave, bringing victory and opportunity for reconciliation with God and redemption of man and woman. And so, beloved, what we see today, the, 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 the tension and the struggle and the fights and all that we see today is a work of the fall. It is the work of sin. But by God's grace, he sent Christ who has come and fixed that. I, I would call upon all of us this morning that we would believe upon Christ. I would call upon all of us this morning that we would repent of our own sins and that we would follow in the example of Christ who submits to the will of the Father. Come and repent this morning, beloved. Believe upon the very one who gave his life for us. And because Christ has given His life for us, the divine order can be, can be reversed back to the way that God meant it in the beginning. And so Jesus says things right. He reestablishes the order which God has put into place. And so therefore, He calls on you and I then to be determined disciples. One of our core values, remember? One of our core values is that we are going to be determined. We are going to be people who are determined to follow the Scriptures and determined to grow in Christ and determined to do the will of God. And so we see this, beloved, today, that if we want to give back to the divine order and be able to function within our church today and to function within our homes today in the way that God intended, we must be determined to prioritize the worship of God and the preaching of the Word that it may mold us into spiritual men and women. We, we must be people who are determined to study the Word and to pray and to seek the One who is truly the head of all creation, which is God the Father Himself. And I would say this, beloved, we would be determined that we would love our spouses and communicate to one another the struggles that we have in this. That if you are one today that is struggling with the issue of headship or the, maybe the day the man is not leading in the home and, or the, the, the wife is not submitting, I, I would encourage today, beloved, that you would go to one another, communicate your struggles, communicate your desires, Communicate that which you are dealing with and go to the Lord in prayer and seek Him. That we may do as we were created to do from the very beginning. So Paul gives us first the the design of creation. But notice next we get this watching angels. Look at verse 10. He says, therefore the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Now Paul brings in angels. And so this is one of those texts where you just scratch your head and you begin to wonder what in the world does he mean? What do the angels have to do with the issue of, 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 of authority and submission and male headship and things? What does it have to do with head coverings? Well, Paul doesn't give us enough information here to give us a 100% guarantee on this. And so we have to sometimes be very careful not to read into something that is not there. I think sometimes people want to read into here guardian angels. That's not what this is talking about. But what we can do is, is we can search the rest of the scriptures, especially the other writings of Paul, of the apostles in them that would help us with an interpretation. And so in Ephesians chapter three, verse 10, Paul writes concerning the context of the church himself, that the church is the manifold wisdom of God, or so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. So the church, this redemption that you and I have got, where the Jew and Gentile and all those people from all over the world that we've come 
together in Christ, we portray the manifold wisdom of God. And who's watching but these rulers and authorities in these spiritual places? In First Peter chapter one, verse twelve, or chapter one, verse twelve, the context is your salvation and my salvation. And he tells us that Peter writes that there are things in which the angels long to look. They desire to look at this grace and mercy that has been bestowed upon us in Christ. Hebrews chapter twelve two tells us uh, again, talking about loving one another, that we are not to neglect to show hospitality to strangers, because by some we have entertained angels without knowing it. And then in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, where you get this letter to the churches, that you get this context here of the church, that he says, to the angel of the church. And so we find in different places throughout the scriptures that there is this call to or, or this idea that there are angels who are watching what is taking place right here. Think about that. Their eyes are set upon the church. Everything has to do with the church and those who have been saved. And so the Bible is referring to the fact that angels are close by. Again, not this guardian angel stuff that where you all have this one. That, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about angels that minister to the church, that serve within the church. But angels who are witnessing what's taking place with amongst the redeemed people within the church. Why is this so important? Because if there is anyone, and if there is any created thing in all of creation that understands the reversal of authority and submission, who understands what it means to usurp the authority that God has put over them, it was the angels. Because they saw the day that Satan himself said, I'm God. They saw the day that Satan rose up to usurp the authority of God, that he would become the head and God would become servant to him. And they watched their brethren, the other angels, follow in the same footsteps. They know what it's like to see the reversal of the divine order. And they also know what it's to see the joy of God the Father when he sees his creation being faithful unto his word. But they also know what it's like to see and behold the wrath of God that comes against all who would rebel against this authority. And so Paul says they are watching and they can testify to God's proper order. That between man and woman, in the church and in the home, they know that fulfilling one's role and authority and submission pleases the Father. And that the one who usurps this and reverses this brings about displeasure, bringing about judgment and wrath. And this is what's so fascinating for them is that they are watching a people who were once against God and enemies of God who followed Satan just like the other angels followed Satan, just like Eve followed Satan, just like Adam followed Satan. You and I were following Satan. We were not doing the divine order. We were not following God. But by Christ's death and resurrection from the, from the grave, you and I have been reconciled and redeemed. And now through the grace and mercy of God, that which was broken is now being corrected. And so I ask you, brethren, this morning, what do the angels see in your life? I understand, we heard it all a couple weeks ago, the world is watching, the world is watching, but may I say to you this morning, FBC, God is watching. The angels of God are watching, and they can testify on what is right and what is wrong. And so the question is, is what do they see in your own life, beloved? Do they see a man who is not leading his home? Do they see a man, a father, who's not leading his children? Or do they see a man 
who follows in the example of Christ, who leans his home, who leans his church. Ladies, do, do, what do they see in you? Do they see constant fighting, constant competition with your husband? Constant discouragement, constant criticism? Or do they see one who loves their husband and who wants to see their husband glorify God because they want to glorify God? And so together, they encourage their husbands and they lead their homes. They, she, she serves along with her husband for the glory of God in their homes or even, even in the church, beloved. They're, it's not to say that, that women, are, they have a place in ministry and all this. What are the angels seeing here at First Baptist Church of Jonesboro? Are they seeing complimenting and helping one another, encouraging one another, or competition? Do they see fellowship or division? Do they see order even though there is diversity amongst us? Or do they see chaos and this uniformity of the culture following the way of the culture? Or do they see the grace of God in saving and sanctifying you and I to not rebel, to not be like Satan? What do they see in our own lives, beloved? So Paul says we have the design of creation, we have angels who are witnesses of what is taking place in our life, but also notice thirdly, he says there is this mutual dependency. And so again, we, we find another affirmation here for this issue of complementarianism. Look, look at verse 11 and 12. He says, however in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. And so Paul makes very sure that there is no misunderstanding from these verses from his teaching women are not inferior to men if anyone was to ever get that text they are wrong they should repent of they should repent of that they should never ever treat a female in that way paul is not saying that the bible is not saying that as i've said throughout history scripture has risen up and shown us that it has corrected that male chauvinistic uh, nature that we have seen. Beloved, may it be said today that male chauvinism is no more biblical than feminism. It's no more biblical than feminism. Both are a perversion of God's plan for the home and the church. And so what we have here is, as Paul wants to show, is mutual dependence. The woman may have originated from the rib of man. Man did come first, Paul says, and he says, with that comes great responsibility, comes great role. Yes, but now, and as much as society would like to try to change this, no one will ever be birthed by man. No one will ever be birthed by man. God has given that glory to the woman, and it is a glorious thing. I don't care what the culture says. I don't, I, I don't care what, what the, the president says. Women have a glorious gift from God in that the human race has been placed, the birth of the human race, the sustaining of the human race has been placed upon their shoulders. And yes, we, we can even press the point that even without men, you know, but, but, but men and women are complimenting one another. And so, ladies, you really do, and I don't mean this in the corny kind of way, but you really do complete us. 
That God looked upon Adam and said, it is not good for him to be alone. It is not good for mankind to be alone. And so God, in his glory, in his wisdom, he created you in all of your beauty, in all that you are. And he brings you to man. And he says, without you, mankind would cease to exist. And ladies, let me also say this. I read this 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 past week, and I totally agree with this, that, that we look at this as in just the issue of physical birth. Bringing forth babies. Yes but also in raising them up. Do do you not see the beauty and the glory of women that God has given mankind to raise up godly men and godly women? You're not just a blessing. You're not not just sustaining. You're you're not just basically carrying the, the weight of humanity on your shoulders by just in birthing physically children, but in the fact that you are helping, that you are serving, that God has placed them under your care to nurture them. And so the godliest men of our day and the godliest women of our day and the godliest men and women of our history, all of them can point back. If you read their testimony, the majority of them point back and they say, I am what I am by God's grace through my mother. She was a blessing to me. And so Paul wants it to be known here that there is a mutual dependency here. This goes far deeper than just creation. This goes far deeper than just bringing children to the world and raising up children. This goes into the fact of subduing the world. This goes into leading the home. And this goes into leading the church. Men are incapable of leading their home, ladies, without you. The church is incapable of fulfilling the mission that God has given the church without you. And you say, what about those who are single? The Bible says they have been given a supernatural grace to live a life of singleness. The rest of us, we were given our wives a glory and gift and blessing. Another, another grace of God. I can't leave my home without my wife. My kids would be messed up without my wife. You're laughing because you know it's true. First Baptist Church of Jonesboro would be messed up without my wife. Men, you got the same testimony I got. Because God created it that way. God gave us somebody that we could not live without. And so, ladies, hear me on this. When you begin to seek a role that is not yours, your home and your church is doomed to failure. And men, when you begin to seek a role that is not yours, your home and your church is doomed to failure. Because we have to rely on one another. God knew the job was too big for Adam. God knew the job was too big for all of us men. So the reason why he said it's not good for them to be alone. So God made us a helpmate. 
And so therefore, brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. We must rely on one another. We must trust in one another to do the will of God that he has called us to do in our roles. Men, please hear me this morning. Your wife depends on you. If ever there was a time that I've ever realized this, it is now. As my own daughters are beginning to get older, I am beginning to realize the great need for a godly man to marry them, to care for them, to protect them in this world, to be the prophet and priest for them. I understand the need for godly men to be raised up to come and to take my, my daughters and to care for them and to love them as I would in this world. I, I'm not saying that my daughters couldn't make it without someone, but I'm telling you that as a father, I understand the dependency here in need. So men, hear me this morning. Your wife and your daughters and your grand, granddaughters and great-granddaughters depend upon you to lead your family by seeking God in prayer and study of the Word and through being faithful to love on them the way God would have you love on His daughters. Your wife depends on you to make hard decisions and to fight battles that she was not meant to fight. She depends on you to remind her every day of her value and her glory, her beauty and her purpose. Speak and serve in such a way that she never forgets how important she really is. Ladies, your husbands depend on you for encouragement. They have, been called to, to, they have been called to a task that you have not been called to. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible is very clear that the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Christ died for the church, suffered and died for the church. They have been called to death. They have been called to suffer for you and for the church just as Christ did himself, to give everything they have. So ladies, your husband depends on you for encouragement. He depends on you to build him up in godly ways, to help him, to let him know, when he, to let him know lovingly when he is, whenever he may be making those wrong decisions, but to do it in a way that is, that is faithful into the role that God has given you, to do it in a way that, that brings forth wisdom that he needs. To bring peace to his soul that when he comes home from fighting the battles at home, that he comes home and has to lead even at home, that there is some sort of peace and love and care that he receives from his wife. Serve in ways that give him the rest and the encouragement that he needs. And I say to men and women this morning, First Baptist Church of Jones World depends on you. You do know that, right? This church depends on you. We don't, we're not depending on programs. We're not, we're not depending on anything. But, but God and His grace and mercy and, His, and, the, and the tools that He's given us, and you are those tools, men and women, for men to lead as, as those who would do teaching and mentoring, for women to minister and to serve, men to serve as well. We understand this is all about the issue of pastor and elder. And so we understand there's, there's even there men, other men who are not elders submit to the pastors and elders, that, that they submit to the authority of God. But, but ladies, hear me this morning. 
Men, hear me this morning. This church depends upon you. We are the bridegroom of Christ. And you are here for a reason to be good stewards of the bride. Every one of us depends on one another. Notice next, he gives us the clues of nature. Look at verse 13. He says, judge for yourself. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him. But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given to her for a covering. But if one is inclined to be contentious, we'll we'll get to verse 16 in a minute. We'll stop there at verse 15. So, so this issue of hair. Now, Paul uses the natural growth and the beauty of a woman's hair to illustrate that men and women are not the same in all, in all aspects of life. And so immediately some take this very much to the extreme, you know, uh, to the extreme letter of the law, not seeing the principle that Paul's saying, you know, is it wrong for a woman to have short hair and wrong for a man to have long hair? Are they more godly if women grow her hair long and never cut it? Are men more godly if they, if they, you know, if they keep their hair you know, short? Is that what this is about? No. Here's Paul's point. The point is that men, the, the point is, is that nature, the biology of men and women, like the angels, like creation, Like the mutual dependency, the very biology of men and women that can see in the way that our hair grows, the way that our body forms, testifies that there are distinct differences to men and women. The hair of men and women is just one of many of the biological differences that we have, but there are are many. And so Paul's point is very simple, and, and here's what he's saying. You don't have to have a college degree to see that men and women have differences. And so therefore... Paul is saying here, stop swapping your roles. Nature testifies. Biology testifies that there is a distinct difference. So stop swapping your roles. Stop trying to become something that you are not. Stop swapping your gender. Women are not men, and they should not be men. What's Trey say? Amen lights? This is, not, this is one of those things that's a serious deal. You have, an, a, you have the Olympics coming up, and you have, you have a man who has made himself into a woman competing against women. You have a culture who, who accepts the fact that men can decide. I, God, th- just this past week, I saw people singing a birthday song to a teenage girl. They cut into the cake, and it was rainbow. And the father and mother are excited because their daughter has chosen another gender. Teenage daughter. Men are not and should not be women, and women are not and should not be men. And beloved, the very fruit that we see in this transgender lifestyle comes from the very seed that we would swap our roles that God has given us spiritually. So whether you believe or don't believe in God and the Bible, Paul is saying, nature and biology itself speaks that there is a natural order of things. And so there in verse 13, he says, judge for yourself. In other words, have some common sense about you. And I know that many of us are doing that. Are we not, are we not going, where's the common sense? But he's saying, have some common sense about you, beloved. What we are seeing in society today is not only the reversal of God's divine order, it is the reversal of common sense. It is the reversal of nature itself. We are reversing nature. 
you literally have people who are going against science and common sense, which I find very funny because these are the same people who use science to tell us that the ark, that the flood and the ark never happened. These are the same people who are telling us that, that scientifically there is no God who could ever create the heavens and the earth. But we can swap genders. These are all lies. These are lies and this is a rebellion against God. And so the church has a responsibility. We have responsibility to our children. We have responsibility to our community to proclaim the divine order of things. We are, we are a people who are, to, who are to proclaim men and women are, yes, equal, but God has made them different as well. They are equal yet different in roles. We are to proclaim the truth of complementarianism, that we complement one another for the glory of Christ, for the glory of the Father. But not only that, beloved, we are to model to them the beauty and the joy that comes from it. I think one of the saddest things that I see in this whole movement, one of the saddest things that I see in this whole movement of the homosexuality movement, of the transgender movement, what, what we see in all of this is the fact that they believe they will find true joy and peace when they do this. And there is none to be found. There's none to be found. And so, beloved, it is important for you and I to model to the world the beauty and the joy of men and women fulfilling the roles that God has given them. It, it is important for us to model the beauty and the joy that comes from a marriage where a man leads. It, there, there, there's a beauty and joy that comes where, where we see men who, who lead boldly within the church, preaching the word. We're all depending upon one another in these ways. But finally, Paul gives one final thing. Look at verse 16. He says, but if one is inclined to be contentious, he says, we have no other practice, nor have the churches of God. Paul lastly argues from his authority as an apostle in the practice of the churches. Contentious means that someone who is arguing, who's causing problems, we know those types of people, right? They're always poking a product. They, all, they always got something they, they've got to be contentious about. And so Paul says, those of you who are causing disruptions in the church, that you're being contentious about this. He says, let me be very blunt. Let me be very clear. There are no other ways. It's like we said last week, we have a book. This is what God says, and there is no other way. There is no other practice given by the churches, by the apostles. So he's using his apostolic authority here to say that God has ordained it to be this way, and the church should not change it because he says, he says to Corinth, there is no other, practice, no other practice. No one can point and say, this is a Corinthian thing. No, this is a church thing. Notice he says churches. So FBC, if you'll do a search on the web, you'll find that there are many different practices nowadays, especially within the church, in which we are changing the way that we lead and the way we do authority and submission. You have, you have a confusion now of trying to make the culture's view of men and women somewhat accepted within the church. And so pastors bring their wives on the stage they put them on staff and they put them as teaching pastors and this pastor, but then you have the senior pastor. One of the things, Terry, and I've always wondered if, if a woman can preach and she can be a pastor, why can't she be his senior pastor? 
you're going to see churches all over the place begin to find these different roles, the ways to make this work. And Paul just simply says, there is no other way. The church of God is a church who follows the will of God and the words of God. He says, men are to lead the church as pastors. Take off the head covering. And so this is a call for church investment this morning to you as First Baptist Church of Jonesboro. You were called this morning to invest in the church according to the role that God has given you. How can you invest? Beloved, we need men who are willing to lead, who are willing to become elders and pastors. Not just for our church only, but for the churches around us. We need men who are willing to be, who, who to be molded and to be sanctified in such a way that they themselves will become leaders and become preachers of the Word of God. We need you to prioritize, man, your spiritual growth at home and your spiritual growth through, through coming to worship. Prioritizing coming to worship, Wednesday night prayer meetings, Sunday night core seminars, be mentored and read books and, and to enhance your prayer life. You need to prioritize these things. Ladies, in the same way, you need to do these things as well. But so that you can begin to serve and to minister within the church in encouraging and seeing the sanctification of others in our church. That, 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 we, be, that we come together in unity and things. We need you to serve. We need you to minister. We're in the process of putting together ministry teams. And I will just be honest with you, ladies. There are, there are ministry teams in which you are needed. And here's what's funny. There are ministry teams where we have thought that only men could be in those ministry teams. But at the end of the day, really what we do need is your wisdom and your guidance. For you to be able to look at things from another angle that we do not see. So, so we need both and let me just say this, men and ladies, we need, we need to see fathers and mothers, grandfathers and grandmothers, brothers and sisters of other men and women in the church, that we are mentoring and loving and seeing them sanctified. I know that in our day there's so much focus on the issues of genders. Which gender holds more power? Which gender can do this? Can I change my gender? And all this. Yet what we see is that this is all focused on self. Paul is pointing everything to the Lord. That when we do what we have been called to do and serve in our homes and our churches the way God has called us, God himself is glorified. And brothers and sisters this morning, hear me. The world needs to see a home and a church that brings glory to God in the roles that he has given men and women. Let's pray.